Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Just how are the Milwaukee Bucks going to get things fixed? We're get into it right now. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80. Chris Carlin along with Myron Metcalf, who steps in for Joe, who's got some responsibilities on the TV side. Myron, what's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm happy to be here, man, and, and to fill in behind Joe, man. I uh, love to be on this show, man. You guys do great stuff. Well, I appreciate that. And you being a Milwaukee guy, uh, first of all, I got to get your take on what's been going on this entire season from the debacle with the head coach, and then you move into Doc Rivers. He's already pointing fingers. Uh, nobody knows if Giannis is still going to be there long term, even though he just signed. What is your take as a Bucks fan, native Milwaukee guy right now? You expect chaos when you're a Bucks fan. I mean, like you expect things to go left at some point. But after they got it rolling, you're like, okay, you've won a championship. You lock in Giannis. You have some key pieces. Dame shows up. Now you're ready to maybe start another run toward a championship. So I'd expect this chaos. But I did feel like Adrian Griffin might not be the right coach. And you heard a lot of stuff early in the season about how he was connecting with guys in the locker room. Obviously, he goes away. Doc Rivers shows up. They're trying to handle the Dame Lillard connection. I just think in general, they are in balance, right? I mean, defensively, they've had their struggles, even though they've been better with Doc. Now, offensively, they're, they're challenged. So, But I don't want any excuses with Giannis. Like, at the end of the day, this is why you're one of the four or five superstars in this league. It doesn't matter the circumstances. You got to figure it out. So I do think it's on his shoulders no matter what's happening around him. See, this is what's bizarre to me, too. And Joe and I were talking about it a little bit last hour is that, you know, he's gone out of his way a couple of times to say this year, well, this is Dame's team. Eh, no, it's not. It's, it's your team because you've been here since the beginning. And he has some belief that they can get this – uh, turned around, and they're not in terrible shape, to be clear. I mean, it is a team that is sitting in the third spot in the East, but for what we expect, it's not exactly delivering so far. Yesterday, Gabe Neitzel was filling in yesterday uh, for me right here. You know, he, of course, uh, get, uh, get, uh, I'm sorry, Gabe, Jen, and Chewy on ESPN Milwaukee, and his take on Giannis thinking the Bucks can get this turned around. Giannis just kind of believes that things are going to get easier from him based on this article in The Athletic. Um, the article says that Giannis, under Adrian Griffin, who was a first-year head coach, was doing things uh, like walking teammates through drills and practice, drawing up plays, and diagramming actions more than he ever had before. Um, but then later, when just talking about how much respect he has for Doc Rivers, he said this, quote, Coach Doc, he's a great guy. He's been in the league for a lot of years, won a lot of games. Like when you go to bed, you sleep well at night. Win or lose, you know the coaching staff is going to be prepared. Well, and those are some shots out the door. And secondly, it's obviously all coming on the Giannis side when he is saying things like, well, you know, I'm out there diagramming plays for what's going on. 
Yeah, that's a problem, right? I mean, when you find out that your your star player is also the head coach, that doesn't sound great for Adrian Griffin. And it feels like Doc Rivers have, have has solved a, a lot of that. I mean, th- the problem is I don't see an easy fix. Giannis is arguably having his best season. If the numbers stay where they're at right now, Giannis is going to be only the second player in NBA history to finish with 30 points a game, 11 rebounds, 6 of 6. Only the big O, Oscar Robertson, has done that. So you're talking about historic numbers for Giannis, even though the record isn't showing that. But Dame Lillard doesn't look like Dame Lillard from Portland, shooting 34% from three. Chris Middleton is a guy they're still trying to get some momentum from. And then Doc Rivers comes in and, you know, I don't know how badly Doc wanted the job. That's what bothers me more than anything. Did you really want this job or did you have to get talked into it? Because if someone had to talk you into the job, that's never a great situation. And that's my biggest concern about Doc Rivers and the Bucks. Well, see, to me, that's on Doc. If you need to get talked into it, you should never even be entertaining it in the first place. And frankly, leading into that, Myron, it didn't look great that Doc was kind of consulting along the way for the team. And then all of a sudden, he's the head coach of the team. Like, to me, we know how that looks. Well, that looks like somebody's helping with the old shove in the back out the door. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's just a friend, honey, right? Like, that's kind of what it sounds like a little bit. And he comes in in this situation. I think the familiarity, though, because of his role, is probably make guys like Giannis say, hey, bring him in. He's experienced. What did Adrian Griffin lack? Experience, right? It was his first time doing this. So I can understand Doc coming in and feeling like, okay, I've got all the pieces Let's see if I can get this going again. But some of the comments he's made in recent weeks is like, man, were you pretty comfortable in the booth uh, at ESPN and kind of enjoying yourself and you kind of got thrown into this? I don't know, but I need to see more passion from him. Like, I need to know that Doc really wants to be there. Giannis's energy ain't the problem. He's committed. He's dialed in. And everything you're going to hear from Giannis the rest of the way will reflect that. I think Dame is dialed in. He's just trying to figure out how to be better. I need to know that Doc has the same attitude as his star players down the stretch of the season. Just to add some context to it, here is Doc on Sirius XM NBA radio. Personally, I, you know, I, I'll be honest, I, I told our owners uh, when they called, I said, I think you, I don't understand why you're doing this, you know? Um, and they said, you know, one of the things they said was, well, it doesn't matter. We're, we've done it now. And um, we, we, we want you. And, and so that was a tough one. I didn't. I, that was. That's where you had the hesitation. This is tough what? for me to take. Okay, Myron, this is tough for me to take. I mean, if we're let's be real for a second about Doc. He came in, he took the job at ESPN, and he bailed out as quickly as he could after there were wholesale <laughs> changes made. And I'm not blaming Doc for anything that happened last year, but there were wholesale changes that were made to some really long-term established broadcast teams, and Doc in yeah. two and a half months is out the door. That's weak to begin with. Okay. Secondly, though, I don't want to hear about that. You took the job. You yeah. took the responsibility that goes with it. And that that's only a microcosm of it for me. When you start assigning blame elsewhere, which he has already started to do, like, are we even 10 games into this yet? <laughs> I mean, seriously, Doc, if you want to win a championship, if you want to get all of the the bad stuff off of what your resume says uh, right now outside of the 2008 Celtics, 
Like, here's a golden opportunity. Stop acting like, I don't know, I don't really want to be here. If you don't want to be there, don't take the job. I mean, but you hit it on the head. This is not the Doc Rivers we know in terms of the way he approaches job. This is not the way he came to Orlando. He was enthusiastic about that job. He loved that job. He loved Boston. He loved the Clippers. And he loved going to Philly. Like, that's a part of his makeup, is he's a guy who has a certain passion about coaching, and you expect that to carry through. I'm not saying he doesn't want to be in Milwaukee, but I don't think what he said about Adrian Griffin means a thing. What do you mean you can't believe they're doing it? You know how this business works. You keep running to the playoffs. Do you think you can improve upon what we've seen so far this season? That's the only question I want you to answer. All this other stuff about I can't believe you made a move, Nobody cares about that. You're in charge now. Put your energy towards making this Milwaukee Bucks team better. Here's my other issue. There's a point with Giannis where his brand has always been the smiling on the outside. I'm a great guy. I'm the guy that you love. And it feels like on the inside, there's more of the diva-type qualities that are starting to come out a little bit. And and look, that's going to happen when you're a star of that magnitude. Listen to Wendy, though, keeping in mind that Giannis signed an extension. Listen to Brian Windhorst talking about Giannis and the fact that this is not a given staying in Milwaukee. In the reality of the modern NBA is that you earn it with your stars year to year. And a star's contract status no longer means that he is safe in an organization. And that's not to imply anything there with Giannis. The Bucks understand that as well as anybody. Even though he signed a big contract extension before the season, that really only protected the Bucks to get a huge return in the event that he does ask for a trade. The reason the Bucks have been so proactive is because that they know they have no margin for error when it comes to Giannis, as any team with a megastar doesn't have in this day and age. That's mind-boggling to me, that we are already at that point when off-season, all right, let's go hire Adrian Griffin. You know Giannis signed off on it. Then they bring him in. Then they they fire him a couple of months in because obviously Giannis wanted to sign off on that. We've obviously just heard that. And now we're shifting things up we got Dame to help him out. All of it has been done at his request, and now we're going to turn around and get our way out, maybe after this year's, after next year. Boy, th- things have just completely changed across the board. And I don't mean to sound naive, Myron. I, yeah. I know, but like that's just disgusting to me. It, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. If you have a superstar in the NBA in a small market or a mid-sized market, this will be the threat no matter how committed you think that star is. And I think if you're the Bucks, you need to approach Giannis that way. We watched Kevin Durant get out of Brooklyn with three max years left on a deal. We watched James Harden leave four different teams. All stars at this level, they're the GMs of the team, and everybody in Milwaukee knows it. You got to make Giannis happy. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. From superchargers, exhaust kits, and more, eBay Motors has over 122 million parts to keep your ride or die alive. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The college football playoff is changing next year, but don't get used to it. It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The 12-team college football playoff will now comprise the five conference champs and seven at-large selections. Notre Dame could conceivably be the number one team in the country on selection day, and it can't be seated higher than number five because it would fall behind those four conference champions. There are still flaws with the system. Seven at-larges is a very good day. So overall, criticism, yes. Celebration, yes. Good day for college football. And they're already talking about expanding it even further. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series 6M Channel 80, Chris Carlin, Myron Metcalf in for Joe, Pete Thamel, ESPN, senior college football writer, joins us right now off these discussions yesterday. So, Pete, we we finally got everything settled on how we got to 12 teams and how it was all going to work out. And now all of a sudden we're talking about expanding it even further. So what was actually discussed yesterday? You know, Chris, it's, it's a great question, because if you remember, I think it was 2019 when the idea of 12 first came, and the member of the Alliance filibuster came in the way, which is why it hasn't, uh, which is why it still hasn't happened yet until this upcoming season, and so I really just think over that span of time, you know, we've, we've had a pandemic and massive realignment, and the world has shifted and changed quite a bit, and I really think that, you know, where, where everything's right now with the with the Big Ten and the SEC at, I think, I'm, I'm not good at math, I went to Syracuse, but I think it's their 34 teams, 18 and 16, right? Like, there's just a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of access concern, especially from the 18-team Big Ten, and they want more access points for their teams and programs. And to, to raise automatic bids, one thing being discussed quite seriously, my source told me is that they could they could boost this uh, they could boost this playoff up from uh, you know from 12 to 14 when that next contract starts in in 2026. Pete, I don't know if the Big Ten and SEC have a handshake they do now whenever they meet uh, after this alliance, but but it feels like their partnership has sparked a, a lot of this. What role have they played in all this expansion conversation? 
Well, I, I, I think Tony Petiti has, uh, the, the Big Ten commissioner, has sort of laid out his cards a little bit. And uh, he did an interview with our Adam Rittenberg uh, within the last week or two where he basically wants to create relevant late-season, regular-season games. And there's an equation to, okay, if two six-and-three teams are playing and they have a shot at one of these automatic bids, right, um, whether it's, you know, two, three, et cetera, whatever it may be, that it will juice up the regular season, juice up ratings, give, you know, like uh, uh, encourage attendance, right, um, you know, for people to go. You know, they want relevant regular season content to flow into the to flow into the postseason. And, uh, yeah, and I agree, Myron, obviously, those, those two, since they announced a couple weeks ago that they're going to kind of be working in concert, it's, uh, it's very clear that they are well aligned. In, uh, in in all this stuff and can and going forward, their interests are aligned and really their interests are rooted deeply in finances. And uh, one thing that was not solved yesterday was how uh, the money will be distributed. Uh, there were some sort of paradigm discussions on that, but nothing really particularly drilled down. Pete Thamel, ESPN senior college football writer, with us. Is there? I mean, this is a. <laughs> A, a somewhat thankless question, I would think, but is there a number that they can get to where they would actually stop expanding eventually? <laughs> Pretty open-ended question. This yeah. is sort of like saying, do they want to stop making money, right? That would be the counter to that. So yeah. I, I do think at a certain point, and you've seen this with the NCAA tournament, um, which hasn't changed discernibly since 1985, I think they've added four teams, right? Which isn't that many considering the number that's happened is, um, you know, do you mess with a good thing? Now, the thing about the 12 team playoff, Chris, is we don't even know if it's good or not, right? Because we haven't had one play. So sometimes this is why it feels so weird that we're already talking about it when we haven't even seen it happen yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be weirder, Chris, if the, the makeup of the sport, from, from a conference perspective, hadn't changed so drastically from the time this was proposed to the time it was going to be implemented. To me, that's the that's the driver here, mm-hmm. is that, you know, Oklahoma and Texas were the bedrocks of the Big 12 when this happened. Now they're in the SEC. Uh, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington were the bedrocks of the Pac-12. Now it doesn't exist in any recognizable form. Uh, it does still exist, but not in what it was. So there has to be a place for those programs to go and that that has been the, the impetus to to some of this conversation and uh, you know I, I think that the Big 12 and ACC are in interesting places right because they they want they want to be in that power four grouping but it's really a power two grouping and it's really been like that um, for I would say the last couple of years I, I'd be interested in what Myron thinks of how this starts to ripple in basketball so we start to see hirings go that way um, just because the finances are being shifted there so significantly. Well, and that was my next question, Pete. I mean, we've heard these Florida State rumblings for a while now, rumors about well, North Carolina getting the mix, Virginia, specifically for the ACC. Like, what could all of this mean as the Big Ten and SEC continue to get more power and influence in college sports? Yeah, I mean, that one, Myron, it's a great question, is really going to end up being determined by the courts, right? Like, that's, uh, that, that is really where you know, those issues are going to be meted out. I mean, Florida State, there's not a lot of ambiguity about their ambition, right? They want to leave. Um, and certainly, 
I think in, there's interested parties at North Carolina and Clemson watching how this access issue plays out, right? Are they going to be in a, in a conference that monetarily and access-wise is distinctly inferior um, to those that have been their peers, really, in the last go round? So um, a, a lot is swirling there, but, in, but until uh, the circuit court in uh, Leon County or Mecklenburg County uh, gives us some answers, which I can guarantee you one thing, won't be quick. <laughs> um, we'll, uh, we, we won't have some answers on the, uh, where, where the seminars are going. Pete, we appreciate a few minutes on a day where you're traveling. Travel safe. I, I boarded the plane while we were talking here, so I'm, I'm sure my seatmates are annoyed. I uh, appreciate you guys thinking about me. Have a great day. You too. Always yeah, working, Pete. I mean, I, I can barely board the plane, period. I mean, yeah. I'm knocking people over with my wheelie bag, the whole thing, yep. and Pete's laying it out there in eloquent form as to what's going on. I mean, he, he's a pro. He's a pro. I, my problem is the backpack. Chris, I'm always hitting somebody. I got a backpack yeah. on. That's always a problem. I got to say sorry to people because I got this big backpack walking. Yeah. Around. The other day, I just, I, I just, I didn't lose it, but I just got annoyed because now they tell you roller bags only up above, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So you get on the plane and it's starting to, you know, disappear up above and there's like th- two backpacks and I have a roller bag and I just turned around and I said, whose is this? <laughs> and the guy's like, eh, me? And I said, do you mind putting it under your seat? Thanks. Like, I just I just thoroughly rule. got annoyed with it. But as far as what Pete's talking about here, it is amazing to me that, and I understand why it's happening because of everything that happened with the conferences. There, There is going to be a number where it's going to feel silly, and mm-hmm. I can't yet predict what that number's going to be. Like, you could tell me in eight years, in 10 years, that we had a 32-team format, and I would not be stunned. I would yeah. not be stunned. Me either. Me either. I think we're headed towards the elimination of the bowl system. Like, that's where this is all headed. Wow. You just won't have a bowl system in college football anymore because the wow. number will be too high for it to make any sense. What are all those bowl executives going to do? I guess they're going to have to play golf without getting paid for it. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. The NBA second half, it starts tonight. There is a huge matchup that could tell us everything we need to know about the Western Conference. It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, including on Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. A huge night on the hardwood. Up the floor, James! Right hand dunk. Let's get caught up with Carlin versus Joe's NB A to Z. 
That's right, baby. Second half begins this evening. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Chris Carlin, along with Myron Metcalf in for Joe for the next couple of hours. We get into the start of the second half, and we will discuss the biggest questions facing these teams that we're going to give you for the second half of the year, including the one that starts their season in Golden State tonight. The Los Angeles Lakers. Myron Metcalf, the biggest question for the Lakers in the second half of the year is... Can they sustain this momentum uh, that they have with this new lineup? Eight and three in their last 11 games. Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, LeBron, Rui Hachimura, Anthony Davis. I know LeBron's out tonight, but can that group be the catalyst for them to move forward and maybe avoid a play-in situation? So I think the changes they made recently have been positive and promising, but momentum has been the biggest challenge for this Lakers team. They play well in spurts. They do good things in spurts. Can they finish strong and have a consistent couple of months and find a way into the playoffs? Yeah, it's very hard for me to look at the Lakers anymore and say that they're going to do a lot of great things in the postseason. And by great things for the Lakers, I, I mean make it to the conference finals or above. I don't know that they do that again. And it's funny, Myron, it was a great run last year. But when they ran into the wall, I mean, they went face first into it. And just, they had to be peeled, destroyed by the Nuggets last year. So my faith in the Lakers is there in terms of being able to get out of the play-in or out of the first round. But beyond that, to me, I just, I'm wondering if there's enough in the tank. The Los Angeles Clippers. What do you got? Well, I mean, if you can keep Kawhi and Paul George together and on the court, I mean, it's a health thing. And that's always the case with this team. But I think we have more than 1,100 minutes of them playing together. Offensively, they've been great. Defensively, they've been great. So to me, Kawhi and Paul George have played well enough together where you're like, yeah, this can be a championship-level team. The thing about the Western Conference is Minnesota, and I'm in Minneapolis, nobody believes they can win a championship. Oklahoma, nobody believes OKC can win a championship. And you got the Clippers right there where if they stay healthy down the stretch, they go into the playoffs maybe as, what, third or fourth best odds potentially to win it all. But the health question will always be the thing I'm focused on if it involves Kawhi and Paul George. Well, you love it so far. Right now on ESPN Bet, the Clippers are the favorites to win the West at plus 215. Why? Well, they've played 53 games so far. And you've had Kawhi, Paul George, and uh, uh, James Harden. James Harden. None none of them have played less than 48 games. And that's amazing. Now, I would expect that that number would dip a little bit because I expect Ty Lue to handle that and make sure that these guys are rested and ready to go for the postseason. But there's no reason to me to believe that the Clippers are not going to be a championship contender. But... It's all the big if, as you pointed out. It's all about health. The New York Knicks. This is all about health. I mean, (laughs) Julius Randle and OG Ananobi, you don't know when you're going to see them on the court again. Julius Randle the other day did not rule out season-ending surgery uh, on his shoulder injury. And as far as Ananobi, you're guessing at this point. They were a much different team when they got Ananobi. Uh, He's obviously a tremendous defender and helps in a lot of different ways. If Jalen Brunson actually gets this team to like the third seed 
by the time the playoffs roll around, that would be an MVP-worthy discussion for Jalen Brunson with the way he has played this year. Well, I think you bring it up, uh, the, the right guy, right? How much can he carry? Like, how yeah. much weight can Jalen Brunson carry? I mean, it's not just Julius Randle and OG. It feels like Tibbs is starting every press conference saying, this guy didn't practice, this guy's hurt. Uh, so Jalen Brunson is going to have to put a lot on his shoulders. I think he can carry it. But at some point, every star in this league reaches a point where it's too much. So I think Jalen Brunson being able to handle this load as the leader of this team will be the thing to watch going forward. The Minnesota Timberwolves. All right, you're there. Boots on the ground. What do you got? Whether or not they can sustain this momentum going forward. I mean, they lead the NBA in record against teams above 500, 23-11. Best defensive team in the NBA, and I don't think it's close. Offensively, they need some work to be more in sync, but when you play defense that good, you're going to have a chance in every game. As someone who's been in Minnesota for 20 years, though, Chris, I got to see it play out to the playoffs. I mean, it's almost like watching an incredible movie in the first half, and you're like, okay, will this still be as good? What's the closing? What's the finishing scene going to be like? I think that's what we're all saying about the Minnesota Timberwolves after this incredible start. I like watching the Timberwolves play. Like, I genuinely enjoy it. Defensively, they're obviously having a terrific year. I like watching Anthony Edwards play. I'm enjoying watching Carl Anthony Towns play, which is somewhat new, I gotta be honest, for me. (laughs) Um, But the experience factor for me is the biggest issue. Rudy Gobert has played a ton of playoff games. Otherwise, these other guys haven't been out of the first round. So outside of Gobert, how are they going to respond in the postseason? I'm very, very interested in that. The Golden State Warriors. Myron, I just don't know if there's enough left in the tank. I honestly yeah. don't. I, I I get it with Clay Thompson. You know, Wendy almost had me convinced about 10 days ago. We had him on. We're talking about Clay. He's still averaging 17. He's still shooting 38 from three. He's still an okay defender. Yeah, but the problem was when the Warriors were at the best, he was at his best. And I don't know at this advanced stage of his career, combined with everything else, uh, that they can get home. And obviously, they don't feel like they can get on a big run. Otherwise, they wouldn't be talking about initiating a conversation around LeBron James. Yeah, and I just wonder how much this weighs on the locker room, right? Clay always making it about Clay and whether or not he's still a star in this league, every game, every post game, hey, Clay, how does it feel to have a reduced role? Like, it's just becoming too much of a storyline. They've had some positive things. Post-suspension, Draymond has been a big plus for them as the starting center for that team. But I wonder if the Clay drama just weighs this team down as we watch the end of this Warriors dynasty. And then finally, we get to the top team in the East. The Boston Celtics. I'll tell you what, they have been incredibly impressive this year in every way. Uh, I'm excited to see him on Saturday night calling the game with uh, Tim uh, with Tim Legler here on ESPN Radio uh, against the Knicks. Porzingis has been very good. Uh, the addition of Drew Holiday has helped a lot. Can Jason Tatum actually put himself in a position where he's a legitimate MVP candidate? We've spent a lot of time about this, but Myron, he needs a couple of those MVP moments to really convince people and that's in some ways that's really crazy to think but it's true 
it, it is. And I think Jason Tatum's actually playing for something beyond that. I mean, LeBron, how many years does he have left? Steph is in his mid-30s, as is Kevin Durant. I think Jason Tatum is playing to be the next face of the NBA. Yeah. I, I think that's what's on the line this season. You go and reach your ceiling and win an NBA championship, put together an MVP-level campaign, all of a sudden, and I know there's Luka and some other guys out there, but you're in Boston. Jason Tatum has that opportunity, I think, to be the next but, face of this league if this continues. But don't you need a little more cachet, a little bit more flash than he has to his game yeah, to I do that? I don't know. I don't know in this era, right? I, I don't know, you know who, who he's competing against who is flashier and has that same kind of status. If you're in Boston or L.A. or New York, you're going to have an advantage in that conversation And I think this is the moment. This could be Jason Tatum's moment if he seizes the opportunity. Speaking of the Celtics, earlier in the week, former Celtics coach Rick Pitino treated his team like they were the Celtics. Was he right to do it? We'll explain in moments. Carlin versus Joe, Chris Carlin, Myron Metcalf on ESPN Radio and on ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Saturday on ESPN Radio. The fourth-ranked Arizona Wildcats continue to fight for the top of the Pac-12 when they go head-to-head with the Washington Huskies. For the win! Coverage begins at 1.30 Eastern with tip-off at 2 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Presented by Robin Hood. My cousins at Bob Valvano will have the call of that game out in Tucson. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's really the enjoyable part of the college basketball season as we start to wind down toward the tournament. And Myron, obviously being a huge college basketball guy here at ESPN, I just, before we get to this, I'm just going to let you know, in no way have I ever been a Rick Pitino guy. And okay. frankly, you could say that I was more of an anti-Rick Patino guy. And when he got the St. John's job, I, I blew a, blew my stack over it. Like, how many times do we have to give him the opportunity to do this? But all of that aside, earlier in this week, he went off on his team. This was on Sunday uh, after the game. And I was shocked, Myron, shocked that he had the following to say. I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Uh, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys are slow laterally. Even, even the Celtics, when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Do you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. I think they're very respectful. They hear, but they don't listen. It's taken me a month to get them to throw bounce passes. Actually, two months to throw bounce passes. Just thinking of getting ready for Georgetown because Georgetown could definitely beat us. I'm not even thinking of the future at all. I'm just thinking of the next game and the next game and the next game, and that's it. Just try to get as many wins as you possibly can and represent St. John's in the best fashion you can. Listen, they did beat Georgetown, but Myron, I'm very curious to get your take as somebody that covers this sport inside and out when you hear all of that from Rick Pitino. 
I mean, Rick has to go from that podium, Chris, back to the locker room and see all those guys. He's got to yeah. coach them in practice. He, he has to interact with these guys. And, and more importantly, he's got to recruit the next group of guys that he wants to come to St. John. So I think Rick Pitino is still one of the greatest coaches of all time. If you tell me it's X and O, X's and O's, there aren't many better in the history of the game. But I do think this sounds a bit like that mid-90s kind of stuff you could do, uh, the Bobby Knights and guys like that. It's not that way anymore. And I thought he went too far. If you want to say your team has some challenges, I get it. But to say it the way he did, it'd be hard for me as a player, Chris, to go to practice the next day and say, this guy believes in me. It just doesn't make a lot of sense why he went that far. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get it at all. To be fair, he did apologize after the game last night. My guys are the most important thing. My, fam- uh, my family and my players, outside of breathing air, they're the most important thing in my life. That's why I'm still coaching today. They are the air that I breathe. And I love them dearly. I would never want to embarrass them or hurt them. But you did. But you did. That's what you did. <laughs> Because I I actually don't believe him when he says that. Listen to it one more time about what he says is important. My guys are the most important thing. My uh, my family and my players, outside of breathing air, they're the most important thing in my life. That's why I'm still coaching today. They are the air that I breathe. And I love them dearly. I would never want to embarrass them or hurt them. No, no. The air that he breathes is winning. (laughs) The air that he breathes is winning. I mean, we basically heard him talk about that earlier this year when he had that, I don't know, it had to be a seven or eight uh, curse-laden press conference when they lost a game and he talked about how much he hated losing. And this just feels like, well, I never want to do anything to embarrass your kids, but you did. And you did it in incredibly blatant fashion. Myron, amazing coach. We'll never dispute that. Patino, the person, like, why am I supposed to get caught up in this? And by the way, he brought in a lot of these guys in transfers. Yeah. Yeah. It's his team. I mean, that's the, these are definitely his guys. And my thing about it was coaches have their moments, right? Coaches have moments where maybe they cross the line. This wasn't that. This was a guy who decided to rant for a long time about his team and, and made it. To me, it sounded like he was saying, these guys aren't good enough to be coached by me. And I don't know who that helps. The one thing I always say about this generation of coaches in college sports, the thing they lack is you got to be a people person in a way that you didn't have to be 20, 25 years ago when all you had to do was coach, come in, be the tough guy, draw up the play. You got to have relationships today. And I just don't know how that kind of a, a, a you know press conference helps Rick Pitino build that with the players on his team now or the guys who are thinking about coming there in the years ahead. Part of me almost wants to give him credit because, so, and you, you've been around this as much as anybody. How many times have you had conversations with coaches where it's like, oh, we can't do this. This guy's bad at this. It, it, they're pointing yeah. out everything that they can't do, right? Yeah. A, a, as to what's going wrong. And I don't have this and I need that. And this is the reason why. At least he said it out publicly. <laughs> Yeah, but he's yeah. Rick will his say pets. it to you. He will say it to your face. That is one thing about Rick. Yeah. Uh, he will say it publicly every time. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Then there was this other really unfortunate incident earlier in the week when eight players were suspended for the Texas A&M Commerce Incarnate Word Brawl. Four teams from each, uh, four players from each team were suspended for flagrant 
unsportsmanlike actions. They Those suspensions are going to begin immediately. Now, the brawl broke out during the handshake line after Monday's game. Now, if you haven't seen the video of it, by all means, check it out. We'll put it up uh, on the Carlin versus Joe Twitter. But it got ugly, and it wasn't instant either. It was a good long way into the handshake line, and then the camera kind of had to cut over to see what was going on, and that was a brawl that went on for a good three to four minutes, it felt like, Myron. And it could have been a lot worse. I mean, this wasn't just two guys hold me back. I mean, this was a brawl. I mean, this was guys fighting all over the court. You know, reports that people in the stands got caught up in it. You know, manager apparently was bloodied. I just think you got to get rid of those post-game handshake lines. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough for ESPN. This is my third year as a sideline reporter in college basketball. I'm on the court, right? I'm there listening to timeouts. I'm interviewing players. I hear what happens during the game. Mm -hmm. And it's not fair, I think, to ask these guys who've been trash-talking, pushing each other, fouling each other, to suddenly say after a game like that, hey, go get in line and shake everybody's hand. I understand the spirit of the idea, but I also wonder if we're forcing these guys to be in a really bad spot when emotions are still high. So I just think we got to get rid of it. Make it optional. You want to go shake hands with players? Do like the NBA. Fine. But don't make it mandatory and you end up with situations like this. I couldn't agree more. And I know we all talk about sportsmanship, right? But the the teams after games have this 10-minute cooling-off period before they speak to the media. In other words, their emotions are still running high, and they want to make sure to get themselves in in the right frame of mind to speak publicly about your team and about the game. But yet we expect them facing those guys that they were just elbowing and jawing with, as you pointed out, for the last 60 or 40 minutes to just have nothing there and nothing's ever going to be said in that. How many times have we seen this? I personally, just from doing games, I have seen it at least 10 different times where at the very least there's words exchange guys turn around. Wait, what, what did you say? You know, those kinds of things on the way out the door, even between coaches. I don't like the way you handled that, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> unless you are strong enough to just shake the hand and walk by, what are we even doing it for? Well, and you make up a great point. Like We've both seen it a bunch of times. It happens in the NBA sometimes. Yeah. Guys get into it. So what do you expect is going to happen when you put a bunch of 18, 19, and 20-year-olds in that same situation? You know, these are younger guys most of the time who are trying to figure out those emotions in the immediate aftermath of the game at a minimum. Chris, there has to be someone in these games, in these moments, who says, listen, this was a heated game. I know what we traditionally do. We're all leaving and going back to the locker room after the game. No mm. post-game handshakes. Yep. Yep. Don't need it. Don't need it. It's a nice thought, but it's a little Pollyanna at this point. It really, truly is. Yeah. Especially as we get closer and closer to professional sports in college. <laughs> it's it's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. He's Myron Metcalf in for Joe. I'm Chris Carlin. The Bears are on the clock. A decision could be coming soon. Next. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.